This little light of mine. Welcome to This Little Light of Mine, the podcast where we stand up for love and prioritize mental health, emotional health, and spiritual health in your life and in the lives of all people. Here's your host, James Powell. Hello and welcome to This Little Light of Mine. My name is James Powell and I'm so glad that you're able to join me for today's story episode entitled Rehab. In today's episode, I'm taking you on the road with me to Philadelphia, where I'm about to check into the trauma-informed rehab facility where I will be living for the next 30 days. Parts of me are still on a high from making the decision to attend. Parts of me are terrified of what's right around the corner. And other parts of me, they're starting to have doubts that I may have made one of the biggest mistakes in my life in coming here. And with that, Let's jump in to today's story episode. It's late October 2019, and I'm sitting in a hotel room in Philadelphia. There are a million thoughts racing through my mind as a Keeping Up with the Kardashians marathon drones on in the background. Tomorrow morning, I'm walking 10 minutes down the street and check myself in to rehab. My anxiety tries to hide itself as restlessness, and a productive part of me thinks that doing something would help me escape the feelings that I don't want to feel. Maybe I should go for a run. Maybe I should meditate. What if I read? Or maybe I should just lay here and watch TV. I get lost in my thoughts and can't seem to make any decision. The gravity of my decision to hit pause on my life and to check into a rehabilitation treatment center for 30 days is finally starting to hit me. The exhilaration of making this life decision is now being met with terror. No, not terror. Hope. No, not hope either. Fear. Or maybe it's excitement. No, it's shame. The thoughts continue to race through my head, and I realize how nervous and out of control I really am feeling right now. Earlier in the day, after checking into my hotel, I walked over to the treatment center to check things out and to introduce myself before the big day. That's when my current anxiety shifted into overdrive. The woman who answered the door to the treatment center didn't even let me in to introduce myself, to say hello, or to answer any of my last minute questions. I was confused and I wondered what happened to the incredibly kind and compassionate man who had answered all of my questions and helped me to enroll in the program. It was because of his approach that I knew that this treatment center was right for me. Did I make a mistake? Instead of that approach, I was told that the treatment center was a secure facility and that there were no unplanned visitors allowed. After telling the woman that I was a patient who was checking in tomorrow, she asked me to wait outside while she located the clinical director. A few minutes later, she returned with a message that I was to return tomorrow at 9am and that I should be ready for a urine test. That was nowhere near the welcome wagon experience that part of me was looking for. As I walked back to my hotel, my anxiety and self-doubt started to speak loudly inside my head. What if I'm making all of this up? What if there isn't anything wrong with me? What if I just need to work harder and focus on self-discipline? What kind of customer experience was that? 
Is this place even legit? Did I make an incredibly stupid decision to come here? How am I going to explain this massive mistake to everyone at home? What if this is just a huge waste of time and money just to run away from problems at home that don't really exist? Back in the room of my hotel, I make the decision to pull out my journal and to help bring some clarity to the dark, brooding cloud of anxiety, shame, and fear that's storming inside of my head. Lord, I'm scared. What if I've made one of the biggest mistakes of my life coming all the way here? And as I wrote those words, my thoughts started to shift, and I continued writing. I'm also remembering times, so many times, when I'd be hooking up and in disgusting and degrading situations. I wanted to stop, yet I couldn't. I thought so little of myself and allowed so much pain into my life. I think of all the dark, drug-infested spaces I would go to and the people that I would share my life with. Lord, I know that I need to be here, but I'm scared. What if this loneliness and emptiness doesn't ever leave me? I sat on the bed in my hotel room and I listened for an answer from my knowing. I was listening for an answer from God. And then that answer came. What if you let that pain leave you? What if you can finally allow yourself to love you like I love you? I put down my pen and I cried myself to sleep that night. Waking up the next morning, I opened my journal back up and before heading to check out of the hotel and walk over to the treatment center, this is what I wrote. Lord, use this time to heal my life, my soul and my heart. Teach me to use my voice and to follow my heart. Give me the tools so that I can learn to trust myself, to open myself up, and to connect authentically with others. Thank you for bringing me to this space and for holding me here. I'm open to your love, and I invite you to heal me fully. Break me open, Lord, so that I can fully love and be loved. Make me whole. 9am arrives and I take a deep breath. It's time for me to check in. I walk up the steps to the treatment center, ring the bell, and this time I'm greeted with a kind and gentle woman who welcomes me inside and helps me with my luggage. She ushers me inside and asks if I'd like anything for breakfast before we start the check-in process. I let her know that I ate before arriving and that I'm good to go. She ushers me into an office area and offers me a chair across from her desk. Once I'm seated, she looks at me, asks if I'm comfortable, re-asks if I'm hungry or need something to drink, and then lets me know that this intake process will take almost the full day. My eyes must have bulged out of my head because she smiled and reassured me that there were going to be a few breaks and that I would be able to meet the other six men in the house to share lunch. I sat in that chair and had no idea what was coming next. I took a deep breath and I prayed a silent prayer. Thank you for bringing me to this space. Guide me forward.
We got started with the intake process, and she laid out the steps for the day. Basic information, p-test, meds, assessments, and intake medical assessment before lunch. After lunch, I would get my room assignment, do a full luggage check, build my assignment binder, do my initial therapist intake, and rejoin the rest of the men in the house right after dinner. Wow, that sounds like a full day, I said. She winked and smiled before continuing. After dinner, one of the men in the house named Steve has been assigned to take you around the house. He'll show you where everything is and help you understand all of the rules. At approximately 6.30, you'll depart the house with the others and drive 30 minutes to tonight's SLAA meeting. The van should arrive back at the house around 9.30, just in time for your daily goodnight group session. That will go until approximately 10.30. After that, you have some free time before bed. And that is your very full day. The morning went along as planned, but I didn't understand the insane number of forms and assessments that I was being asked to fill out. Assessments for PTSD, depression, anxiety, history of abuse, and the list went on and on. It all seemed like administrative overkill. I wasn't here for all of that. I was here to get some addictive and compulsive behaviors in check. Well, at least that's what one part of me kept telling myself. In retrospect, that part of me, it was trying to protect me from the overwhelm of what was actually going on. Things started to get really real as lunch approached. I did my P-test, all of my meds, including any over-the-counter and non-prescription supplements were inspected, individually counted, and logged. I thought it was bonkers that even my daily vitamins and hydrocortisone moisturizer needed to be logged, taken away, and used only while under supervision. I asked what all the fuss was about, and I was gently reminded that I'm in a hospital facility and that they are responsible for anything and everything that goes into my body. I was also informed that the logging and tracking of everything wasn't just for my safety, it was for the safety and security of all the others in the facility. Her words gave me pause, and it didn't help the parts of me that were trying to pretend that this was just another adventure. I knew it was coming, but I'd put it out of my mind. The woman who was doing my initial intake announced that we had finished all but one final aspect of her part of my intake. The last thing that she needed to log and remove from my presence were all of my electronics and communications devices. One by one, I turned off my iPhone, my work iPhone, my Kindle, my Apple Watch, and my iPad. Each item was logged and placed into a secure holder that would be placed into a locked cabinet until I was ready to leave in over a month. From this point forward, I was digitally untethered from the rest of my world. Right before lunch, I was handed over to another member of the treatment team. It was his job to set me up with my assignment binder and introduce me to the other six men who were currently in treatment. Before that happened, he needed to escort me over to my intake medical assessment. I learned that I was going to walk with him across the street to a shared facility where this assessment would take place. As we walked over, he asked me what was going through my head 
and how I was doing with the first part of my day. I casually shared that it was a bit overwhelming and that I'd never been in an environment where all of my vitamins, supplements, and face creams needed to be logged. He smiled back and he told me to hang on because the overwhelm was about to kick it up a notch or two. He told me to stick close by his side and to ignore any of the comments or questions that I may get while on my way to the assessment. I had no idea what he was talking about until we entered the building. My mind was blown and the gravity of my current situation knocked the air out of my body. The treatment center that I was enrolled in was a specialized, intimate, patient-funded trauma-informed program with a one-to-one client-staff ratio. What I wasn't fully aware of, there was more than one treatment program on the campus where my treatment program was housed. To access the medical assessment, we needed to walk through a state-funded drug and alcohol facility. After being buzzed in through multiple doors, I found myself walking through a space that I can best describe as a co-ed version of Orange is the New Black. Never in my life did I ever think I would find myself in a space like this. Fear and shame gripped my body, and there was no denying that what I was embarking on was serious business. In that moment, any attempts of trying to downplay the reality of my current challenges were knocked back to zero. I was in this space because I needed serious help. And that's what I was about to receive. Isn't it incredible how our bodies work and how our thoughts can actually create a reaction within our bodies? As I read back through old journals and wrote out today's story episode, I could feel the panic starting to build up in my own body. Even though the events from today's story episode happened over two years ago, it was as if my body was remembering and reliving all of those feelings as if they were real and present dangers. There were many times that I needed to remind myself that the me here in 2021, that I'm safe, that I'm secure, and that these memories are part of my past. It was also hard to be reminded of who I believed I was back in 2019. Back in 2019, as I was starting my recovery, I really believed that I was broken, that I was damaged, and that I needed God to make me whole. As hard as it was to read those words, they were also a solid reminder of how much I've grown and continue to heal as I move forward. I no longer view myself as broken. I no longer view myself as ever being broken. My recovery and my time in rehab was less about fixing parts of me and more about giving myself the time and the space to open my heart in a safe environment so that I could fully meet myself and remember how beautiful, whole, and worthy that I've always been. Recovery isn't about fixing. Recovery is about meeting yourself, embracing all of yourself, and remembering who you were created to be. And it reminds me of my favorite quote from Marianne Williamson, from her life-giving book, A Return to Love. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. 
It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve our world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within all of us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So who are you, really? Who are you before you started to believe some of the man-made lies that may have been sold to you that questioned your worthiness? Who are you underneath all of the expectations that others may have piled on top of who you were actually designed to be? As Marianne says, your playing small does not serve you, and it doesn't serve our world. You were not designed to shrink into anyone else's expectations, or into their boxes of who they think you need to be. We need the fullest, most on-fire expression of who you were created to be, because you are brilliant, you are gorgeous, you are talented, and you are fabulous. You were designed as a perfectly unique expression of love. You were designed to be seen, to be heard, and to be deeply known. You were designed to love because you are designed from love. Thanks for listening to this little light of mine. To learn more about our guests today and for links from our show, visit www.thislittlelightofmine.ca. If you enjoyed this episode or feel that it could bring love and acceptance into someone else's life, please like, rate, review, and share so that we can build our community and bring more love into the world for all people. Now go and let your light shine bright because you are loved.